Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be hosting today's episode, and I am joined by Sydney Cope, one of our physical therapists at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. Sydney and I decided to record a podcast because Sydney's been seeing a lot of athletes dealing with shin splints recently and spending a lot of time uh, explaining this condition and how to manage it to families. So since we were having the same conversation so many times, we thought it would be helpful to uh, record a podcast and share some of this information with everyone that's listening. So Sydney and I dive deep into shin splints, covering everything from who can get shin splints, what presentations look like, what the difference is between shin splints and a stress fracture, when people should look to get medical help for shin splints, common mistakes in shin splint rehab, and some of the keys to proper treatment and management of shin splints so that this does not become a recurring problem. I think this is a great episode. Uh, Whether you're dealing with shin splints or other overuse injuries, we cover some of the primary ways to manage these conditions going forward. So I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Michael Falk, and I'm joined today by our therapist, Dr. Sydney Cope. And we are going to talk all things related to shin splints. So, Sydney, thanks for taking time out of your day to come on and help spread the good word about shin splints. No problem. So, let's just jump in with shin splints is a, like, layman's terms um, injury. So... Uh, much easier to say than like medial tibial stress syndrome. Yes. <laughs> but what actually is shin splints or are there several things that could be shin splints? Sure. So um, big thing that kind of keeps shin splints within the category of shin splints is that it's an inflammatory response. It's an inflammation of that bone tissue, that muscular, t- muscular tissue, all that tissue that's on like the inside of your shin, um, which is where most people feel that discomfort is on like the inside of that shin bone or your tibia. Yeah. And then I think that uh, like there's some specifics, like what is it, what does it look like? If I mean, I I feel like many people have experienced some type of lower leg pain, but Mm -hmm. um, what is shin splints? like present like in the office commonly. Yeah. So shin splints, it's actually normally activity related. Um, and you can actually sometimes visually see a little bit of inflammation in that area. Um, it'll be pretty provocative where you'll get increased pain with like jumping kind of motions just because that does put a little bit more stress through that tissue. Uh, rather than some different things that you may see, say, with like a stress fracture of that bone, which I'm sure we'll dive into at some point in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's <clears throat> I think that's perfect and a good um, leeway because I think it's it's one of the things that is like our primary role as, as clinicians when people come into our office is to try to make sure that it is actually this shin splints or kind of mild irritation or inflammation mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. versus like a stress fracture of that lower lower leg bone yes um so what are the like from your perspective things that you look for when you're trying to determine is it shin splints is it a stress fracture yeah so um another key thing that we see more on the shin splint side of things is 
you will usually have a lot of discomfort or pain when that tissue um, that kind of runs along that bone is pressed on. Um, it's usually pretty uncomfortable and sometimes people do tend to like pull their leg back, kind of feel like they want to jump off the table. Um, but with shin splints, that painful area is much more, it's not localized. So it kind of goes up and down your shin um, much to a further extent than a stress fracture would. Um, if I'm concerned that you have an issue going on with your bone, uh, it'll be very, very pinpoint. Uh, one specific spot is where you're having that pain. And when I push, you want to kick me in the face when I press on it usually. <laughs> yes. Luckily, Sydney's really nimble, so she's yet to actually get kicked in the face, but some yeah. patients have tried. <laughs> <laughs> Can you have both at the same time? Can you have shin splints going on? and have a stress fracture yeah um i am actually a an example that you can yeah um when i was in college uh when i first started and we can kind of dive into the why behind all this too but uh, i played lacrosse in college for those of you that don't know um the level of activity that i was doing compared to high school was significantly more Um, And one of the first injuries that I experienced in college was shin splints, Um, mostly because of, you know, I'm playing so much more, um, having little, like much less time to rest my body. I just wasn't up to, my body wasn't ready for what I was asking it to do. Um, I got really, really bad shin splints. And then eventually uh, things progressed Poorly, and I was diagnosed with a stress fracture in both shins at the same time. Um, so I had both. Um, it was kind of a progression from one to the other, but I didn't really listen to my body when I was having shin splint type symptoms. Um, and I let it go too far to the point where my bones itself were being affected. Uh, and I wasn't giving myself that recovery time that my body needed and things kind of spiraled from there. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like really good things in that answer that I want to hit on. Um, the first is, is it can like that shin splint pain, is that a warning sign or a red flag that if you don't intervene and do something when it's like relatively minor, maybe still really uncomfortable, but like relatively minor, is it a red flag that that could turn into a stress fracture? Um, I would say yes. I mean, sometimes people just have this inflammation in their shins and it's just an injury that's going to bug them for a while and it may never turn into anything else. Um, but in some cases it can be a sign that there's some overuse happening. Um, and that's usually when we see more of that bone injury start to occur. Yeah. I think that, that makes sense. Um, and it's like a good, good thing. I mean, I think a lot of times, and we, we can kind of talk later on, on when people should get help, but, um, I feel like sometimes shin splints in certain sports, especially like running, is just like accepted yeah. and you just throw on your shin sleeves and just keep on chugging. Yeah. Um, and that might be fine, but it might be something that if you do take care of it and actually try to get to the root of the issue a little bit earlier, yeah. you might be able to help yourself avoid 
a much more significant injury with a forced longer period of shutdown. Um, like shin splints, you can kind of sometimes manage people through without having to totally cease activity. Yeah, absolutely. Once it's a stress fracture, there definitely is going to be some activity restrictions um, in place. Um, The second thing that I thought in your answer was really interesting, um, generically, when people hear shin splints, I think the first thing that comes to mind is runners. Like Mm -hmm. it's a very common injury in distance running, um, but especially in, in our clinic, we see probably just as many uh, team sport athletes that deal yes. with shin splints as um, running. So uh, is that kind of true or what are the things in team sport athletes that can still put them at risk for this? I think it's, you know, kind of a, the same sort of concepts, um, but running in and of itself is <laughs> one direction and you just do it. If, you know, forever, like it's a distance thing and it's turns into an overuse issue because you're doing the same thing day in and day out. Team sports, I think where we run into the issue is can almost be the change in surfaces sometimes, um, change in like footwear um, and same thing that overuse practicing several days a week for hours at a time without letting your body kind of recover, um, kind of goes hand in hand with to like the running side of things. It's just, are we doing too much? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we see it kind of like what you hit on just going from high school to college, like the increase in intensity on a smaller scale, we'll see it with kids that take four weeks off around Christmas break and new year's and then jump right back into practice in January or, don't do a lot in the summer Mm -hmm. and then like as fall sports start their shins and the tissues and bones and tendons are not ready for that yeah um and then with the overuse side like anecdotally when i would see this previously you see different things like might be an athlete that's playing soccer and basketball and going to lacrosse practice Mm -hmm. so like any one individual sport might not be too much, but now, I, I mean, I can't count the number of times that people would go come to PT, especially in the summer. I feel like this was the most common. Like, go to basketball camp in the morning. They'd come see me for their shin pain, and then they'd have to leave and be on their way to soccer camp <laughs> that was starting that evening, and there might have been one more activity yeah. um, later. It's just... It's just a lot to ask for yeah. anybody, yeah. Um, especially like a youth athlete yeah. that, that might not be used to that. Absolutely. Um, so let's start jumping into some common, I think we go some like management strategies. <laughs> I think we could break this into two categories. What should be done? Okay. And what, what is, really done? Yeah. <laughs> what is commonly out in the public <laughs> perception of how you manage this. So I don't know. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Well, commonly people are told stop everything for a couple weeks and you'll be fine. This is not, not really helpful. I mean, and it's the same with a lot of injuries. Simply taking rest, rest doesn't mean that you're actually addressing the issue at hand, you'll probably feel better, 
um, because you aren't, you know, constantly just pounding on all those tissues all day. But then as soon as you go right back to playing your sports for, you know, a couple hours a day, several days a week, you haven't actually done anything to help those tissues out. So you're just going to run into the same exact problem. Um, So that is what is commonly done for people that complain of shin splints. Um, And -hmm. I just don't think that there's success that comes with it usually. Yeah. I'm going to go so far as to say it actually hurts you. Yeah. Because um, if we go back to like Sydney's story as an example of doing too much in, in her first year of college that she wasn't prepared for, that's in a small environment, that's what happens. You just took two weeks off. Your body detrained it got less used to what it was doing now you go back and most people just jump right back into the same thing that they were doing before like two hours of practice hurt well i'm gonna go back and do two hours of practice the (laughs) first time or running 10 miles hurt i'm gonna go back in my first day i'm gonna run 10 miles and shocker not only do your shins hurt but they hurt worse because you're coming off of two weeks of doing nothing so now you're still inflamed still painful and less prepared for that activity yeah I'm going to throw some other stuff that's commonly prescribed that I, I don't want to say it's not helpful per, mm-hmm. potentially, but it's not going to, it's a, it's a bandaid. It's not going to be a fix like foam rolling your calves, um, like making, bringing tears to your eyes, using a lacrosse ball on the inside of your shins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, ice cupping your shins, um, and like, like shin sleeves, right? Yeah. All potentially things that could be a component of a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Like ice cups are great. Your shins will definitely feel better after an ice cup because they're numb and you can't feel them. Yep. I used to do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm not saying to stop doing that, but I think what we see a lot is people rest. They do these things that make them feel better for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. And then they go back into their running and again, shocker, it's not really moving the needle in the long run. Um, There's probably other things that I'm not thinking of that are in that same category, but um, those are all things that I'm not saying they're, I don't, I don't like saying things are bad. Like they potentially are helpful. Right. It's just a bandaid, not a solution. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So now I think we've, we've definitely hit over the head what won't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Let's talk through some keys from your perspective to kind of treating these and managing these in the long run. Let's maybe break out a little bit of shin splints versus stress fracture. Okay. There's obviously like some similarities, yeah. but uh, maybe just to motivate people to take care of the at the shin splint yeah. <laughs> phase yeah. before we get to the stress fracture phase. Yeah. So trust me that it's it's, all, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what uh, from your perspective, what are like kind of key strategies that you use when you're helping someone with shin splints? Sure. So obviously it depends on where the athlete is when they come see me. Um, I have to figure out what those tissues are able to tolerate. Um, and then we work from there. So a lot of the times, um, pounding and like impact and jumping kind of things are usually what sets people off. Um, so if they're like single leg hopping on one foot is something that they cannot do without pain I take them back a couple steps. Let's try double leg things. Let's try even like non-impact plyometrics, stuff like that, um, where we're working on just building up that tissue tolerance. 
always. Um, and then our goal is to always be progressing. Um, if we have to take steps backwards, that's okay. Um, but no matter where the athlete is on that given day when they come to me, we're trying to push their tolerance um, without having like huge spikes in pain. So a little bit of discomfort is okay um, with shin splints. With shin splints, keep that in mind. Um, uh, that will change with stress fracture. A um, little bit of discomfort is okay um, because we need to progress how much they're able to tolerate without kind of just hitting a plateau and letting them live there because obviously what they're doing on the field and the things that are making them hurt and have pain is more intense than what we're doing at the time when they're just like, yeah, I feel it a little bit. Um, so that's really, really important. And then always making sure that we are addressing the strength of all that musculature in their lower leg and then up the chain too. So um, I do a lot of like foot and ankle strength with these people. Um, a lot of calf, like both gastroc and soleus muscles uh, strength. Um, and then all the muscles in like the front of our shin too. So like tibialis anterior, um, tibialis posterior too. Um, just so we're giving ourselves like a little bit of help wherever we can get it from to just help um take some load when we are like really pounding into our feet when we're running on the field or the road or whatever. Um, and then I also do a lot of stuff with core strength and hip strength with my shin splint patients because um, sometimes, again, if we're able to help our body out by um, allowing it to take load elsewhere, it can sometimes be super helpful. And um, in several cases, uh, after doing all that strength testing and good stuff that we do in our clinic, um, a lot of my patients that have shin splints uh, on one side are actually really weak through their hips on that side. So it's causing them to kind of load a little bit funny and they're just putting a lot more like pressure and stress through the inside of that leg. Um, so I do a lot of hip and core stuff with them as well just to kind of help build up some tolerance and some like stiffness in the rest of their body too. Um, I think it's important to address them as like a whole athlete and just to give them the best chance at success possible because shin splits are kind of a bear. They're, they come and they go. Um, they can be an injury that kind of hangs around for a while with maybe like maybe you hit that plateau and you're like, well, it's okay, but I still really feel it. And that can be kind of frustrating for people. So, um, giving them the best chance of success, no matter what part of their body we're working on, I think is always helpful. Um, but definitely working on plyometrics, jumping, tissue tolerance, and then strength of all those muscles too is probably the biggest things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I think that was a <clears throat> really nice summary, hitting several key points. It's kind of part of our core philosophy. And what Cindy described is, um, we, we said how rest is not good, but it's not, we also just can't keep going full bore into those painful things. So what Sydney described is like what we explain to patients is relative rest. Okay, if two hours of soccer practice is painful, how's one hour, how's 30 minutes? Or if even that's too much right off the bat, then yeah, let's, we have to step all the way back to some of these controlled running progressions, controlled plyometric progressions. There's a big difference between doing nothing 
and sitting out of practice and having to sit out of practice or miss runs or whatever the case may be because you're working at a threshold that is tolerable where you're not making that condition worse. And then from there, just building them up from whatever that spot is and addressing those underlying deficits going forward. And um, what she described is great for shin splints, but honestly, it could be described for <laughs> in various <laughs> different things for like 95% of non-surgical, um, like overuse type injuries um, as a treatment approach. Mm-hmm. So what changes, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you described would be key components of a stress fracture rehab at some point during that process. Yep. So what's different, probably the most different part of stress fractures would be early. Yes. Correct. So what's different in the early phase of someone that has a stress fracture versus someone that has a shin splint? So the unfortunate part of a stress fracture is that there is a period of time, uh, that usually involves rest. Um, doesn't have to be total body rest. Um, there are still plenty of things that you can do upper body wise, core wise, things like that. But uh, most cases, uh, you will be put in some sort of altered weight bearing status if you're having pain just walking around doing your daily tasks. Um, so for me, I was in two walking boots at the same time. <laughs> I got called Iron Man, and I was a freshman in college, and it was traumatizing, but it's fine. I lived. Um, but, yeah, so if that is the case, um, you will have some sort of altered weight-bearing status for a period of time. Um, the key with return to activity after a stress fracture is that um, you can't have pain. Um, so if we're talking on a pain scale, zero to 10, zero is nothing. 10 is we're in the emergency room right now because you're actively being mauled by a bear or something. You have to be at zero out of 10. Even like, I want to say for, for a period of time, um, there definitely is a change when you might start to feel things happening in your shin like whether that's sort of like a tingling or like a tugging but if you have that sharp pinpoint pain we're doing too much Um, and that's the big key with stress fracture rehab is that that takes a lot longer to kind of get through than the shin splint side of things where discomfort's okay and we actually want to push through that a little bit but if we do that on the stress stress fracture side of things we could potentially be doing more damage to an area that is already really really compromised yeah yeah the stress fractures are um they can be significant and they have to be like taken really seriously because it can have long-term um Long-term implications, honestly, they're typically multifactorial. By the mm-hmm. time we get there, they, yeah. can be, uh, they can be complex. There's an element of activity, about strength, about um, nutrition that often plays a role. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. So um, I think something that might be helpful for people is when, if someone's starting to have shin pain, mm-hmm. 
when should they seek help? Like what's maybe quote unquote like normal shin pain uh, as we train transition in a surface or a new sport? Mm-hmm. Like there's some level of, hey, I don't feel great today. I'm kind of sore. Yeah. Um, so the opposite side of that is then like it's so bad that we have a stress fracture. So where's the where's the sweet spot in the middle of like normal soreness versus shin splints that they should get help before mm-hmm. it turns into something way worse? Yeah. Um, for me, um, it's that, am I saying ow when I'm doing activity? Um, and also like monitoring how long your pain and soreness kind of hangs around after it starts. Um, so if you're somebody that has started to experience this discomfort in your shin, um, but as soon as you stop doing whatever you're doing, it goes away. I think you're okay um, for the time being. I think you're in a place where you're actually probably doing yourself some good. Um, you are building up the tolerance to those tissues to a level where it's not like lingering soreness and pain after that activity is stopped. Um, but I would say discomfort is okay and soreness that lasts less than a day is okay. But if you're saying, ow, um, and that sort of like bruisey feeling on the inside of your shin that like feels like you have like kind of like rocks running up and down the inside of your shin um, and it's lasting for a significantly longer period of time after the activity that started to bother you um, has been stopped I would say seek some help because we're on a paths to no return so yeah yeah i think that i think that's good advice and and again this is something that's true for most lower body like overuse type injuries we kind of we call it like the 24-hour rule you have you have pain during activity kind of a red flag um but if you're sore after that might be normal especially if it's gone within 24 hours mm-hmm. right once we start having pain or discomfort that's lingering day and a half two days three days after activity um you're that's probably more than like normal expected soreness um so it's a good rule of thumb um you know this is it's things like this if if uh, you're never certain that we have free injury consults at our office specifically for situations like this like i don't know should i be worried is this normal is it not normal who what should i do or who should i see like we we have these for free to come in meet with either sydney or, or one of our other providers to take a look and just be able to get you pointed in the right direction so you don't have to guess. Um, so along those lines, if someone is kind of having that pain that's lingering during activity and sticking around for a couple of days, mm-hmm. um, who should they see? Doctor, therapist, what's the right um, kind of provider? Path to take? Mm, well, um, I mean, I personally, <laughs> no bias here. Um, I think our free injury consults are great. Um, They're not super long. It's a good conversation. It's a good opportunity for you to, like, have somebody take a look at you without, like, potentially the running into the issue of not being able to get in to see a physician. Um, And then kind of letting us guide you from there. Um, A lot of times, if you kind of go back to the beginning of this podcast or um, and kind of see where your symptoms lie from a shin splint versus stress fracture 
um, point of view. Um, if you're kind of more on the side of the shin splints, it's kind of achy uh, pain all the way up and down your shin, and it's more on like the tissue that's on the inside of your um, like shin bone and not directly on the bone. Um, you're probably good to come start to see a PT um, because you're probably in that more shin splint, uh, you know, timeline. Um, that's probably more of what you're dealing with. But if you're somebody that this has been kind of going on for a while and you're having like significant bone pain that is sharp and is like pretty constant, I think is the other thing that's really important is that like shin splint pain usually goes away or at least we'll have periods of time where it's less intense stress fractures that pain is usually pretty constant no matter what you're doing um so i think weigh yourself and where what bucket you kind of are in um if you fear that you have a stress fracture i don't think it's a bad idea to go see somebody and get an image um but we can also help guide you that way as well yeah i think no matter where you start you're gonna if you go to the route of seeing a therapist first and the therapist is concerned about a stress fracture, they're going to send you to a doctor to get it imaged. Yep. <clears throat> Vice versa, if you go see a doctor, almost regardless, you probably should be leaving there, going back to a PT. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a stress fracture, it's going to be much longer. If it's shin splints, you're going to be able to get started right away. Um, so I think it's kind of two different sides of the coin. Stre- shin splints don't need to be imaged. Like it's not right. going to change what we do at all. Um, stress fractures we need to know if it's there or not, and we need to be able to monitor the healing. And that that's why um, doctors can be involved. So, all right, the last thing that I wanna to touch on, and there's kind of two components of this, it's like maintenance. I think you hit on it earlier that shin splints can be a bit of a nuisance. They can linger. They can, you can have good days and bad days. You, I, I jokingly say it's like, you can almost look at the calendar and see you've got the four days with six soccer games and you know that <laughs> following that like your shins are probably going to be a little sore um so talk about maintenance um and like what people need to do like in the long run to try to give themselves the best chance of it not coming back as severely yeah um so if you are someone that comes to see us for this injury um we always provide our athletes with like exercises to be doing at home um, and one of the most important things for this is keeping up with those exercises, even after you've quote unquote graduated or just are at a point where we don't need to see you as often in the clinic because you're doing well. Um, it's really important to not get complacent with the fact that you're feeling great. Um, inflammatory like responses in our body, um, tend to actually take a quite a long time to actually heal whether or not like you're feeling a hundred percent that tissue might not actually be at a hundred percent um so i think it's really important to keep up with the activities that we do give you um on top of you know continuing to like monitor your symptoms and all that good stuff when you are doing like your sport or running and things like that so um like provide, I always provide athletes with a couple of like 
simple like plyometric activities. So where we're continuing to just work on their tolerance for that impact um, and then keeping up with their strength too. That's super, super, super important. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how important lifting, even when you're in season is, um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but like one, two days a week of some focused exercises to just keep your body going is a very good way to like prevent pain from coming back. Um, the stronger you are, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think the last component of that is um, that you do such a good job with is like the education component of, okay, you've got that six games in four day stretch. Working with the patients to understand you might be sore mm -hmm. that Monday, <clears throat> but now you know that you just need, maybe you need a day off or two days off your shins so that you don't continue to progress and like spiral back down the same hole you were in, Yeah. right? Like learning how to read your body and stop it at that, hey, this was normal soreness, but because I have these strategies and I'm aware of it and I can jump back on my exercises and I can let it calm down, it doesn't have to progress that, right. that time like it did previously. And I think that that's where um, maybe the most important thing that we do, all things can, like all things considered yeah, no, yeah. At, at the end of it is um, we all spend such so much time like talking to our patients, educating them about just learning about their body and mm -hmm. how these things develop and manage and how they ended up in the office in the first place right. so that they can try to do things differently next time. Yeah. I always joke with people that, you know, I never want to see them again, ever. And For I mean injury. that in the, <laughs> right, right. in the nicest, I mean that in the nicest way possible. Once somebody is at a place where I feel confident that they can manage this on their own, um, I hope that I never see them again for their shin pain because hopefully I have educated them well enough and they feel confident enough managing this on their own. Um, and if not, happy to help. But again, it's one of our goals here that we really provide our athletes with everything that they need. Yeah, no, I, um, I agree. So I think we uh, did a pretty good job covering shin splints here. Um, and it's not like the sexiest rehab approach. We're not super fancy. We don't guarantee like come in now and get 15 minute instant shin plane relief that'll last forever. <laughs> no um, you know, it's up. For, it's not uh, quick. It's not easy. It's not uh, simple. I don't want to say, yeah. um, but it actually can be relatively complex. The, the interventions might be simple. We might do a lot of testing and and evaluation and look at how you run and 3d motion analysis and all this stuff. And, and the end result might be that you need to do heel raises. <laughs> like, um, but the process that we get that we used to get there is really important. Yeah. Um, and then that educational component around activities and that relative rest and just helping uh, clients scale to the level that they are, where they're pushing forward, not sliding backwards without irritating themselves, I think is, is key. So yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, um, you're able to take something away from this podcast. If you're in our area and you are struggling with this, we would definitely love to help. Our contact information will be in the show notes. Um, otherwise, if this is a resource that you think might be helpful for a friend, teammate, family member, 
please feel free to share this podcast because hopefully they can take something away from it that will help them not deal with this going forward. So Sydney, thank you for the time and your expertise. (laughs) Thanks. And then we will see everyone on the next episode.